Coming up on AEA Amplified, what's the latest on the FAA's proposed rulemaking to extend safety management system requirements, and what does it mean for AEA members? Let's get some answers from AEA Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs, Rick Perry. From the Aircraft Electronics Association, this is AEA Amplified, a podcast for aviation's technology experts, with your host, Jeff Hill. Hello, friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of AA Amplified, sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company, and a leading provider of autopilots for retrofit and OEM factory fit aircraft. Genesis Aerosystems autopilots provide increased safety plus decreased pilot workload for fixed wing and helicopter aircraft. To learn more about the autopilot options, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Hi again, everyone. I'm your host, Jeff Hill, for this January 20th, 2023 edition of AA Amplified. Happy New Year, everyone. And our guest today has some important regulatory updates for AA members. He is certainly no stranger to the AA membership. So I'm pleased to welcome in the association's Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs, Rick Perry. And Rick, thank you so much for joining us today on AA Amplified. And I know we have lots of members listening to this podcast who want to know more about the recently proposed safety management system requirements that came out from the FAA. Um, but before we dive into those details, um, let's maybe start with the basics. Can you tell us just a little bit about what a safety management system is and what SMS means to the aviation industry? Sure, Jeff, be happy to, and uh, uh, happy new year to yourself and the membership uh, as, we, as we go through this process. So when we talk about SMS, there's there's a lot of variations out there. And depending on who you're talking to, it means something different to everybody. But the first thing you have to understand is, is that SMS is simply a tool. Uh, it's a tool that's like any other tool. If you use properly, it's pretty effective. And if it's not used properly, it's a club. <laughs> and so it's important to make sure that we understand what this is. SMS safety management system. And so it is in fact a management system that's used to achieve whatever your safety goal is. It is, you know, the goals, the, the objectives of your safety program. And it, it, you know, as we talk about that, and I know those are buzzwords, but let's talk about safety objectives. Safety objectives are what we intend to achieve. It's, it, it's simply identifying the what, okay? Um, every business, I don't care who the business is, there's some basic fundamental safety objectives. Keep your uh, employees safe, keep your customers safe, and keep your visitors safe. And I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's universal, you know, basically, Every employee that comes to work in the morning should go home in the evening in the same condition they they came to work in. So we do no harm. And, and like I said, that's that's universal. That's across the spectrum. For aviation, we add kind of another objective. And that is whether you're a maintainer, whether you're a, a component shop, whether you're an airframe shop. Fundamentally, we want every aircraft that takes off 
to have a successful landing and for all of the equipment to work um, as intended. And so those are kind of that, that foundational objective. And then the SMS gives us the tool to define how we achieve them. So it's a means of achieving, you know, whatever it is we're trying to do. And to do that, you kind of have to have stair steps or, you know, intermediate goals or objectives. And so, um, you know, you, you look at tripping hazards and you look at, at um, you know, working on elevated platforms and, and all of these kinds of things as intermediate objectives in the every employee is is safe from harm and so sms combines both you know it gives us the tool but without the business being transparent about their objectives i have no option to manage the system through sms and so it forces us to identify our objectives identify the intermediate goals and then gives us a pathway to achieve it Okay, so Rick, tell us exactly what the FAA is proposing in its SMS NPRM, uh, which was announced earlier this month, back on January the 11th, I believe. And what is the intent and result of the NPRM? And maybe can you offer some historical background on the subject and just put it into proper context for us? Sure. Well, so, you know, there's a long history here. Uh, my goodness, probably... Uh, Oh, almost 15 years, I guess. And, um, you know, we've been progressively implementing SMS throughout the aviation sector. This particular NPRM is adding the applicability of Part 5, and Part 5 is where the FAA has chosen to embed SMS. Um, and, it, and it extends the applicability of Part 5 to uh, Part 21, um, production approval holders that hold a type certificate, um, uh, commercial operators that operate under uh, Part 91, specifically Section uh, 91-147, which is generally where air tours will fall into, or commercial air tours. Um, interesting, it does not apply to nonprofit air tours, and so, uh, if you have a fly-in and you're, you know, offering rides or, or um, some of the, the pilot organizations have um, uh, programs to introduce uh, aviation to uh, young people, uh, wouldn't apply to those. But if you operate a commercial air tour, uh, it would apply to you for there. And then it expands it into the air charter industry under Part 135. Um, and, and in, in essence, it actually takes it all the way through Part 119, which is commercial operations. Well, Rick, I, I know you've personally worked tirelessly on this issue for, you know, now going on more than 10 years behind the scenes uh, in your work with the AEA. So why do you think Part 145 was noticeably absent from the NPRM? Well, that's where rulemaking comes in, <laughs> and it's and it's pretty complicated process. So, if you look at the original Department of Transportation um, 
rulemaking agenda, uh, you would notice that uh, 145 was included in the original proposal. And, uh, but it was specific to 145 that was doing work um, for 121 air carriers. So it wasn't all of 145, it was just a, a specific sector of 145. Um, in the process of this, um, you know, it's important to understand that the proposal is to extend the applicability of part five, which indirectly implements SMS. Because part five is so onerous to small businesses, AEA challenged the applicability of part five to the small repair station industry. And I understand that it's a it's a technical thing. It's you know it's you kind of have to get into the weeds to it a little bit, and and I apologize for that. But when you go back to the history of Part Five, it was written um, really to um, satisfy the large multi-siloed businesses of aviation, uh, large repair stations that are working on commercial aircraft. Uh, large airlines that have maintenance operations as well as flight operations, or large manufacturing who not only manufacturing the aircraft, but also have an MRO function to it. And so it allows them to implement SMS across all of their product lines, citing a single standard so they get cross-pollination uh, between their businesses. And while this is hugely effective for these large businesses, it, it, it places the burden on small businesses to show that these, these elements are complied with. And the way the FAA has approached this is, is that they, they, they throw this across the fence. And then um, when we are being surveilled as part of the FAA's safety assurance system and our local inspectors are coming out, they have a checklist that is based on part five that basically says, how are you doing X, Y, and Z? And it places this huge burden on these small businesses that just are not capable of doing this. And so we challenged part five, we didn't challenge SMS. We 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 you know we we appreciate the value of SMS. We just think that Part Five was the wrong approach to do that. When you look at the overlap, which is unique to 145, when you look at the overlap between the management system that's required for quality assurance or quality control and the management system required for safety. There's a huge extensive overlap between those two. And so what the proposal did was, is it basically put the burden to show that overlap on the business. EASA, on the other hand, has recognized that overlap, integrated SMS into their AMC, their method of compliance to 145, completely minimizing administrative burden, especially to the small MROs. So Rick, when are comments due on this NPRM and what is the process AA members should follow to submit their feedback to the FAA? 
Well, so as we know, the, the Imperium was published on January 11th, um, and they've basically given us a 60-day window to submit comments, which takes us out to March 13th. Now, already a number of other associations are starting to uh, request extensions to that comment period, which is very normal. And I would expect that that comment period may be pushed out to the right a little bit, possibly uh, an additional um, 30 days. So we would have a 90-day comment period. And the most extreme would actually take us out to about 180 days. I don't expect 180, but I, I do kind of feel that 90 days would be appropriate. As far as how to, to comment, um, the MPRM is accessible through the AEA website. Um, and it gives you the ability to um, identify uh, your comments. The MPRM does ask, while 145 is, is noticeably absent uh, from the rulemaking element of it, it does ask for comments about whether SMS should be applied to repair stations. And so it's important that the membership do, com do comment on this. And the ability to do it is through regulations.gov. You cite the, the um, NPRM, uh, the, the, the docket number. It brings up the page. You submit the comments. And you can put them right on regulations.gov, or you can write a letter and attach it to your submission. Either one of them works very well. We'll be talking more about this during convention. And once again, we are visiting with Rick Perry. He's the AEA Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs here on AEA Amplified, sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company. And Rick, the AEA, of course, as you know, has member companies located in more than 40 countries around the globe, uh, so a very international organization. Um, so this month's headlines about SMS are largely focused on the United States because of the FAA's announcement. Uh, but can you give us an overview of where SMS requirements stand in other parts of the world and how this could impact certain businesses in, here in the United States? Sure. Um, so for the most part, the US is an outlier here. Um, every major authority throughout the world has um, adopted SMS, uh, specifically for MROs. Um, Canada requires it for MROs, uh, maintenance and repair organizations that are supporting commercial uh, air services. Um, they have not required it as of yet for general aviation. Um, but the US is really the outlier. And um, so when we look at the majority of our membership, uh, Latin America, South Pacific, um, EASA has implemented it. Um, although their due date is January of next year. But um, all of the countries, or, or many of the countries, have developed small business implementation tools. Uh, Australia's got some great tools. New Zealand's got some great tools. Um, as I said earlier, EOS has incorporated it uh, within the means of compliance for the repair station. The U.S. is the only country that really has proposed to require small repair stations to comply with the same means of compliance as the major airlines, and, and that's the challenge we face. Um, but what you're also seeing is, is that currently, um, if you a repair station holds a certificate from uh, Latin America, 
or uh, Asia Pacific countries, um, they already have to have a, uh, a satisfactory SMS program. If um, the, the repair station is doing work on Canadian commercial aircraft, there's some language in the bilateral that requires the feed, if you will, certain data uh, to be supplied to that customer, uh, SMS type of data. And then we know that um, EASA is going to, will be implementing this um, by January of next year because the FAA wasn't able to uh, implement uh, SMS for 145, that will be a difference in the regulations. And so we anticipate that um, probably the maintenance annex agreement MAG uh, 10, which is, is probably about you know a year, 18 months out, will probably list SMS as a difference in the two. And there will be a SMS requirement for US-based repair stations that hold an EASA certificate. So Rick, given the NPRM timeline and the FAA rulemaking process, when do you expect these organizations will have to comply? Um, for the most part, uh, two years after the final rule is published. And, you know, when you look at that, uh, that's a that's a variable depending on the volume and the content of the comments received we could see a final rule by the end of this year um, or as late as the end of 24 depending on on how extensive the comments are uh, regardless whenever the final rules is published most of the affected businesses will have two years to fully implement their programs the one exception to that is the PCTC holder, the production certificate TC holders. In the regulator, in the proposal, they actually have specific dates. And um, in those, they have to submit their plan by the end of 24 and be fully implemented by the end of 25. And Rick, about a decade ago, the AEA developed and launched a proprietary SMS program for AEA member companies. Um, how is that tool still useful to those Part 145 businesses? And how can AEA members take advantage of this free member benefit? Well, uh, as I said, um, we challenged the method to which uh, the FAA was implementing SMS. Uh, that is through part five. We did not challenge SMS. We, we understand the value of hazard identification and risk management and risk mitigation in every business. And so we, you know, for the, for the businesses that aren't required uh, to have SMS, the, the MROs in the US uh, currently, uh, the, the general aviation MROs in, in Canada, as well as all the certificate or all of the required um, SMS programs throughout the world, we encourage them to use SMS. It's a valuable tool in any small business and arguably you're doing many of those things today, you just may not be documenting them. And so this gives you a way to document risk assessment. Uh, it's a hugely valuable tool. It's an administrative tool. As I said, you know, the first thing you have to have to have an effective SMS is you have to clearly identify and communicate your objectives. Uh, this helps you identify and communicate those objectives. And then it allows you 
to manage those objectives. And so if you think about it kind of as, as a, uh, a financial management tool, you know, a, a business sets their, their, um, their budgets, um, each area of the business has an effect on the budget and there's some accounting software that helps you achieve your financial objectives. Uh, our tool is essentially that same type of, um, you know, budgeting tool, if you will, except it's focused on safety instead of finance. And so it really is a step-by-step -step intuitive process and it has huge value, uh, whether you have a, a, a regulatory SMS mandate or you simply want to voluntarily step up to it. And we encourage even, even part 65 maintenance organizations that don't hold a 145 to use this in, in the management of their business. Well, Rick, clearly SMS is a hot topic right now, and, and there may be some confusion out there. What is your schedule uh, in terms of briefing the industry through online training and attendance at industry events such as Heli Expo, ARSA, and of course the AA convention that's coming up in April? This is a continuum. Um, you know, yesterday uh, we did training um, and, and enrolled a, a, a new company into the SMS program. Uh, we do this as it's truly a continuum in the, as we go through the year. Uh, our next uh, formal training, it's an online training course uh, scheduled for the afternoon of February 8th, um, 1 to 5 uh, Eastern time here. Um, as many people know, I work out of Washington, D.C. Um, and then, you know, we're closely aligned with uh, various other uh, associations, HIA and ARSA in particular. And I'll be participating in their uh, conventions and conferences coming up um, in the spring here. So we continue to do the outreach on this. Uh, we also participate um, in uh, an industry-led initiative um, that uh, we've developed a SMS standard for implementation of SMS in manufacturing and maintenance. It's called SM-0001. Um, led by um, uh, the AIA industries throughout the world um, and um, Gamma, and um, and we participate and, and have taken a leadership role in the uh, identification of the maintenance side of those things. Unfortunately, that standard still is a little uh, large organization centric, and so we continue to to work on that to make sure that we have um, an industry consensus standard that will fit a small business without burdening the ownership and management of that business to have to become an SMS expert in the process. Well, Rick, I know you've shared a lot of useful information today and certainly there are going to be other regulatory topics that come up for the industry cons to consider and we will certainly have you back on the podcast as those issues arise uh, down the road. So uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Well, other than the fact that we could probably have uh, about a two-day conversation on SMS, so I, I'm sure I didn't answer everybody's uh, question, but as all the membership knows, um, anybody who has a question that wasn't answered today, uh, you can find my contact information on the, SMS, uh, the AEA's website, and uh, please reach out, and I'll be happy to answer any more questions you, they might have. Well, Rick Perry, thank you so much for joining us here on AA Amplified, and 
You can learn more about these regulatory topics by reading Avionics News Magazine. Each month, Rick writes a column called The View from Washington, and he also authors international regulatory updates and answers to frequently asked questions. So again, you can read Avionics News online at avionicsnews.net or download the mobile app, which is available for both iOS and Android devices. And don't forget that it's not too early to register for that AEA convention that's coming up. That'll be April the 24th through the 27th in Orlando, Florida. If you register by April the 5th, you can save $100 per person off the on-site registration fee with your advanced registration. So you can check out the complete training schedule for that, along with links to register and make hotel reservations. And all of that's available at aea.net slash convention. Also, we invite you to start the new year with training at the AEA's classroom in Lee Summit, Missouri. There are several in-person and virtual classes available, and you can learn more about each of those and reserve your seat by visiting aea.net slash training. And finally, if your company is hiring, don't forget to post your career opportunities on the AEA Jobs Board at aea.net slash jobs. That is going to wrap it up for today. We hope you can join us again soon for another episode of AEA Amplified, sponsored by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company. To learn more about Genesis and its full range of products, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Thanks again to Rick Perry with the AEA for being our guest today. And until next time here on AEA Amplified, for our producer engineer, Aaron Ward, this is your host, Jeff Hill, wishing you blue skies ahead wherever you may be.